Welcome out to Pikapi Podcast, your Pokemon anime podcast, uh, going through the series from start to finish and analyzing everything, whether it deserves to be analyzed or not, because that's what nerds do. I'm your host, Anne, and I am very nerdy about the subject of the Pokemon anime, even on filler episodes like today, where there's not always a ton of character development and important things happening. That said, it's not that filler episodes are devoid of merit. And certainly in the Hoenn region, filler episodes are where they decide to get experimental with their comedy. So the lack of gym battles and evolutions and the like uh, does not mean it's not worth watching. Today we're on Advanced Generation number 39, A Pokeblock Party. And if you want to go a bit further back in uh, the Pokemon franchise timeline and canonical timeline, you should head on over to PokePress. Steven put up an unboxing video about the birth of Mewtwo radio drama. You can learn a bit more about it by watching the video, but that radio drama accompanied the release of the first movie, and for all fandom gets up in arms about Ash's parentage and <laughs> where is his dad, etc., etc., I wish they would take some of that energy and funnel it into focusing on Jessie's mom, why we can't get more info on her, and Giovanni's mother, both women who make appearances in this radio drama. I don't believe there's ever been an English version or translation released, certainly not legally if some enterprising fan has tried to transcript the whole thing. But yeah, in addition to being just kind of a fun telling of Mewtwo's origin, it drops a lot of background information bombs uh, from a time in the Pokemon anime where, where they were a lot more focused on building the backstory of the characters and focusing on everybody's families and relationships and things like that. It's one of the things I really enjoyed about Takeshi Shudo's writing and the movies that he worked on was there was a lot of efforts to bring mom into the story, Ash's mom, and tying things back to Pallet Town, and really building upon the background of the characters and their ties to each other, in a way that was appropriate for the original series, and less appropriate or feasible for, say, Hoenn and Sinnoh, etc. Just because, again, that was back before the fan base aged out and got replaced by a whole bunch of new kids who hadn't seen previous episodes. We've talked about this, how the target audience in Pokemon is rather cyclical, and that makes long-form storytelling a little difficult. 
it's hard enough to call back to things that happened 500 episodes ago when most of your audience was not alive to remember that that happened. And the ones that would have been, most of them are no longer watching. So in addition to, like, the entertainment value and the information contained therein, that radio drama and the CD is kind of a nice little time capsule of what Pokemon storytelling was like and what franchise expansion was like in relation to the anime back then. It's like, it's an interesting little gem and, and good on Steven. Like, if, if I had come across that on eBay, I would have zoinked that too. Definitely check that out. And if you're into more lighthearted Pokemon pursuits, he's also got a, a new parody song up on the PokePress YouTube channel. Mew Sensation. So Pokemon parody fans or in excess fans, head on over and give that track a listen. You can find PokePress on YouTube or also at their blog page, pokepress.blogspot.com. So all kinds of Pokemon anime-related fun. So all kinds of Pokemon-related fun to be found there. And in the meantime, please listen to this anime-related fun that we are about to have with Advanced Generation number 39, a PokeBlock party. The first important thing is we made it to Mallville City. Good job, everybody. (laughs) A much shorter gap than I was expecting. I think that's one of the good things about having the companions having their own uh, destinations and pursuits and side quests is that getting from city to city doesn't feel like such a chore. Because it's actually been quite a while since the last gym battle, but with May's contest taking place in Slateport City... It was not that long ago that we were in a major city and had a big event. So I do think it helps with the pacing of the show to have a character like May or Dawn or Serena to kind of break things up a little bit. Because otherwise, by this point, I would have been cracking jokes about like how long it took them to get from one city to the next and like getting lost along the way. And my goodness, that you know trip to see Jirachi must have really messed them up. Like, really, I'm still not over the fact that they were driving so long they should have come to the end of the landmass, but whatever, maybe Diane's GPS was broken, I don't know. (laughs) Anyway, as we get into Mallville City, we see some advertisements for the Trick House, a place where riddles go down, and it kind of seems to be like one of those escape rooms that are so popular now. The general idea is you have to escape from the Trick House, um, all all the various traps and tricks that will be there. And if you do, you win a lifetime supply of Pokeblock. Sounds fun and worth a shot. Ash has got a Snorlax to feed. A lifetime supply of edible things is not a bad adventure. And it really does look entertaining. Team Rocket wants to enter. Jigglypuff wants to enter. Ash might be at a disadvantage because he has no idea what a trick house is. Anyway, they get close, and Max gets run over by a Wizmer, and that's how they meet a new friend, its trainer, Alana, and they get an explanation on the trick house from her and the king of tricks himself. Yes, the trick master, the king of tricks, dude who owns this facility and uh, looks like he should be commenting on the Hunger Games, he welcomes all the challengers and explains the rules. They're very simple, basically make it through all the rooms, all the traps, all the levels, and win the Pokeblock. Anything goes, apparently. So all the kids split up, they they pick a door, and they enter the trick house. 
And it's not all about winning the Pokeblock. Like, some people are just here for the lulls, for the, the adventure and the trying. Alana has actually entered uh, for the chance to improve her teamwork with Wismer. And as far as teamwork goes, it, it's good to stick close to Alana. Apparently, she's done this event every year and kind of has a few ideas of what to expect. She recognizes some uh, reused items in the trick house and patterns and ways it's different from the previous years and stuff. So, you know, insider knowledge is always a good thing. But wow, you thought these kids were directionally challenged when it comes to their Pokemon journey? Dirt roads and a map? Try putting them in a maze. They're impossible. You take away that PokeNav and they can't find their way out of a paper bag. Team Rocket's not much better because they're trying this thing too and they're Team Rocket. It's just... The maze portion they're in is pretty intense. I can't say that I would do much better. I can't remember where it is, but I think it's in Montana. There's this there's this maze challenge out there that my cousins and I all did once as part of a family reunion. And me and my cousin, when we tried it, got the record for the longest time it took to get out of the maze. And we happened uh, to have another reunion in that same area, like maybe 10 years later, and we went to check it out. And we still held the record for the longest time to get out of that stupid maze. So I maybe shouldn't beg on these kids too hard. I clearly do not have directional skills either. But yeah, this maze, like, there's plenty of dead ends and trick doors. It's not as easy as it looks, which is why James and Meowth soon just give up. They decide instead they're going to steal Alana's Wismer. And that doesn't prove to be hard. You know, once Alana and Wismer split up to check out a fork in the road, there's no defense. The real challenge, honestly, is how they're going to escape once they've caught the Pokemon. So they deal with that. Meanwhile, Jessie is trying to steal Pikachu. She's, she's got a similar vibe going. And Jigglypuff is trying to put on a concert, and Max and Brock keep running into the same dead end. Like, it is chaos in the trick house. Everybody's got a plan, but no one really knows what they're doing. But you know, Ash should be thanking Jigglypuff for, for singing and putting them all to sleep, because that forced nap situation actually saves Pikachu. Jigglypuff puts Jesse to sleep alongside Ash and Pikachu and everybody, and Ash and his friends all wake up before Jesse, so they can get out of the area before she's even done wiping marker off her face. After that, Jesse rejoins the rest of Team Rocket, and they decide to quit while they're ahead. They find a trick door and escape the maze with Wismer into a grassy area. Little do they know, they have rotten luck, they're right by the twerps, who have also rejoined and found the trick door out of the maze. So Team Rocket walks right in front of Alana, and of course she recognizes her Wismer, like, Oh, you found it! Thanks for bringing it back, you're so sweet! <laughs> I'm surprised that neither Ash nor his friends clue into Team Rocket's disguise, because it's a little on the light side. They didn't do a whole ton to, to disguise their look. But then again... The kids only had a few seconds to look at them before they're distracted by the reappearance of Jigglypuff. Jigglypuff still chasing its dream to put on a concert and have someone listen to the entire thing. It's like, quit tilting at these windmills, Jigglypuff. Like, your dream needs some tweaking. Or maybe not. Jigglypuff finishes its song 
And lo and behold, there is a creature on this earth that managed to listen to the whole thing. Alana's Wismer is not affected. It's got the ability soundproof. It's a Pokemon all about being loud. It's immune to the song. It can't fall asleep. Jigglypuff is thrilled. So at least somebody's having success in life. We cut to the twerps uh, waking up. And I love how through this whole thing, Ash has been having to explain the Jigglypuff situation to everybody. Since it's a it's an old friend of his and Brock's, but May and Max haven't encountered it before. It just kind of tickles me, like, especially Max's reaction, like, oh, that's nice. It scribbles all over your face because you can't hear it sing, and you've been dealing with this for years? Like, when will your life start making sense, Ash? <laughs> Why do we travel with you again? Well, the maze part has been conquered. Next, the kids have to cross a river, and the trick house uh, ups a level in Dangerous. <laughs> They have to pick one of the many logs stretching across uh, this river and walk from one end to the other. But some logs are not as safe as others. In fact, the trick master demonstrates some might shatter under your feet, sending you plunging into the water below. So <laughs> who's got a flying Pokemon or levitate? It doesn't matter because Team Rocket comes up from behind and sabotages them. If they can't steal Pokemon, they'll just win the contest. Jesse knocks the log all the kids are walking across and sort of rolls it over, and they all fall into the river, while Team Rocket races on ahead. The kids are determined not to be beaten, though. They eventually make it across and seem to have good luck with the next step in the trick house, the rope crossing, which has a similar deal to the logs. There's some ropes to swing across a ravine, and some of them are not safe. But again, doesn't matter. Team Rocket uses one of their gadgets to punch the twerps out of the sky, so they fall in the water again. Honestly, I think Team Rocket could have won by now if they didn't keep turning around to pester the kids. But I do think Ash has figured out that this is Team Rocket by now. Next up, the gang has to do a rope climb up to the ceiling. We'll find out how good everybody is in gym class. And at the top is a box. Some of those boxes will hold the way out, and some will hold a hammer that bonks you on the head. I'm starting to agree with May. Trickmaster may have gotten bonked one too many times, um, but still makes an excellent host for the Hunger Games. All the twerps decide that solidarity is the key to defeating this one. They all climb the same rope, one after the other. I mean, I applaud their whole, if we go down, then we go down together feeling, but I, I do think it might have been better to at least, if not split up, at least maybe send one up at a time so that if the rope breaks, you don't all die, like, you know, you could catch each other or something. Ash picks a box, uh, the red one, and it would have been a good choice. Again, it is the way out, if not for Team Rocket. They they found it first, and they cut the rope with a pair of scissors, and then all the twerps go ker-splat. And Ash gets a moment to just bemoan the situation, like, those creeps, what is their deal? <laughs> Give them a break, Ash. We all know Team Rocket doesn't have a life. But the next level, that's an interesting one, because it's all pitfall traps and you'd think this would be a break like both ash and team rocket are like this is our moment we have been training our whole lives for this but no despite doing this dance for years he and jj and meowth all fall into the holes moving on 
the next level, Team Rocket has managed to get a step ahead of the game. They change the disguises and get into position so that when the twerps roll in, they convince them that the last challenge is double dutch. They have to skip rope ten times in a row. Seems easy after all they've been through so far. Until Jesse and James tie them up with a skipping rope and steal all their Pokemon. And now they can just walk to the goal with the twerps tied up. It's a double win. Of course, Ash has other Pokemon. A fact I think Team Rocket and he himself sometimes forget. So he maneuvers a bit and releases Corfish, who cuts the ropes easily, and now we can have a proper Pokemon battle against Cacnea and Seviper. I am falling in love with Cacnea's sound effect when it does pin missile that just... <laughs> it's, it's perfect. But Corfish withstands it and then fights back long enough for Alana to free uh, the captured Pokemon. And she is disgusted not only by the kidnapping, but the cheating here. She has Wismer face Team Rocket in, like, full of righteous fury. Its screech is a force to be reckoned with, and then comes Supersonic, and then Hyper Voice. Amazing, anyone has eardrums at this point? But after that, Corfish uses Crab Hammer as the finishing blow, and Team Rocket goes blasting off. So that's done. Turns out, after all this, the kids don't win, though. A kid named Ivan finished all the challenges first, and so gets all the Pokeblock. Apparently, he needs to carry it out himself. <laughs> um, May feels kind of bad after all that. Alana didn't even get to focus on her training with Wismer, which was the whole reason she was there. She had to run away from Team Rocket the whole time. They all kind of forgot that hanging out with civilians puts them at risk for mafia attacks. <laughs> but Alana is fine with it. She and Wismer actually got better teamwork than ever in having to outwit Team Rocket, and some good battle experience besides, so it was a good day. And now, on to Mauville City. After we take a nap, Jigglypuff shows up, and there's a stage, I mean, how could it resist? And I love how resigned Ash is to losing hours of his day like this, like, well, here we go again. <laughs> I guess he just plans his days for unexpected naps. But remember, Wismer is soundproof. Jigglypuff finishes, and, and there should be one Pokemon standing. It's I Sparkle. I love you, Wismer. But you see, Wismer kind of had a rough day, being kidnapped and battling and all. Like, it's, it's kind of ready to just keel over and, you know, nap on the nearest flat surface. And yawns are contagious, so when its trainer goes down, it falls asleep, too. And Jigglypuff is so ticked off that we don't see it again for another 668 episodes. For serious. And that might be the most important thing that happens in this episode plot-wise, because it's not the most dynamic episode. Like, it's really super fun, but it's all physical comedy. Like, this is the last we see of Jigglypuff for a long, long time. So get a good look. <laughs> But yeah, like Jigglypuff's last appearance for a bit and Ash having to explain Jigglypuff's appearance to everybody else. Like that's, as far as the storytelling goes, like that's really the important thing. There are a few cute character interactions because with people splitting up to check out Turns in the Road at the maze, we get like Max and Brock together, which I don't think is, I don't think we've gotten alone time with the two of them very often. And then May and Ash went with Alana. Team Rocket splitting up. 
it's kind of hard to judge because on the one hand, yeah, not much happened to the story. And it's not the most hilarious episode that we've seen out of Hoenn. But there is a lot of fun and a lot of sight gags and play on your expectations. Like the thing with the whole traps and callbacks to various things. A lot of using established facts to help with the situational comedy, I guess. So yeah, a fun episode. I think I wanted a little more from it. But I'm not quite sure what I would have done differently yet. So I may have to leave it there. But that's fine, because coming up, we, we are in Mauville City. There is a gym here, guys. Life is about to get real exciting. So hang in there until next time. Thank you so much for listening. Um, you can find us on the social medias, Facebook, Twitter, at Peacappy Podcast. We're also at peacappypodcast.blogspot.com if you want to leave any comments or interact with the show. Until then, this has been Peacappy Podcast. Gotta catch them all. Mm-hmm.